December 30, 2023, is off for Pedro's show. Well, uh, just to begin with, you are a member of the Al Bostek. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we try to listen your solo number, do you have uh, favorite numbers for us to listen to and find your wonderful play? Mm, no. No? No. <laughs> well, I, we hoped that you had some of the uh, name of it. No. <laughs> Uh, you don't remember or uh, you don't want to be listened by or uh, what do you say? Don't you remember? Uh, a favorite tune yes. that, I, that I felt the solo was uh, very good. Mm, especially in terms of you are with Al Bostics. Oh, with Al Bostics? Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I didn't uh, make any records with him. You didn't make any records? No. Oh, I see. But can we listen? a part of your solo play, one of your recorded musics. Can you listen? Yes. Your solo part. With our bastard? Yes. You say? I, I, there's nothing that I, I've done with him. Oh. I didn't do anything with him. Well, I see. Well, I played with him, but mm -hmm. I, we didn't re... We recorded, but I, I didn't have any solo. I, I see. Mm, I see. It's a little bit so-called uh, critics or uh, a little bit hard to be answered by, but uh, recently we have uh, great uh, so-called the flashing things down the uh, southern Asia, so-called Vietnam War. Do you have some comment about this war? About the Vien Vietnamese war? Yes. Well, I, I, I dislike war, period. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. so therefore, as far as I'm concerned, it should stop. It should have been stopped mm -hmm. in any other war. Now, as far as to say, to understand uh, the issues behind it, I don't understand them well enough to to be able to tell you just how uh -huh. this could be brought about. Uh -huh. But I only know that it should stop. Uh -huh. And one more related question about this war. Uh, among your people, not the white one, uh, do they have a special comment or a special opinions about this Vietnam War among your people? Well, if so, I don't think a consensus has been made on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if any has been made. Uh -huh. You see. And then I think they, uh, they asked you again, but to the, uh, through this tape, would like to uh, more clearly answer about the religion about you. I think that you are well, belong to one of the religions, is that correct? No? I, as I told the young man, yes, I was a student, I told him that, uh, mm -hmm. and I couldn't answer this, I, 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 uh, I don't talk much, you know, but mm -hmm. you got me talking, man, for hours I've been talking, <laughs> and I'm not a talker. But uh, I thought about this question after I'd answered it the best uh, I could, and I felt that I, I didn't tell him. Mm -hmm. What I didn't tell him was mm -hmm. what I really wanted to. But uh, he he felt that I was Christian, mm -hmm, right? And uh, I am by as far as birth, or mm -hmm. my mother was, mm -hmm. or my father was, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, my early teachings were mm -hmm. the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And um, as upon uh, now as I look out upon the world, and it's always been a thing with me, to feel that uh, all men know the truth, mm -hmm. see? I see. And uh, 
So therefore, I've always felt that even though a man was not a Christian, mm -hmm. he still had to know the truth somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or if he was a Christian, he could know the truth. Mm -hmm. Or he could not. It's according to whether he knew the truth, mm -hmm. and the truth itself mm -hmm. doesn't have any name on it to right. me. See? Mm -hmm. And uh, each man has to find this for himself, I think. Pedro show. Happy Saturday. Start off the show with uh, John Coltrane talking to uh, Kazuaki Sujimoto in uh, July 19... Uh, it's 1966, July 9. This is John Coltrane's last tour, Japan tour. And it's... Yeah, Mr. Sujimoto's asking Mr. Coltrane about remembering stuff. Like he's trying to talk about recordings with Earl Bostick and John Coltrane did many gigs with him, but never recorded. But, you know, hey, the only thing new is you finding out about it, right? And then after that, we had Aaron J. Burke with the inner court, which is the most important court, right? <laughs> and because of the uh, those Stonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. Piedmont, South Carolina. Mr. Aaron J. Burke. Welcome aboard, Aaron. 
Thank you. Yeah. Good talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to give credit to uh, Dylan Dickerson for the connect. And is the good people at Comfort Monk. Uh, that's a great organization. Uh, okay. So I want to learn about your uh, journey through music, please. Brother Aaron, bring me your earliest musical recollection. Yeah, so I don't know my earliest recollection. I think... Um... Well, remember, it's a Watt for Pedro show. There's no wrong answer. There's no hard questions. Well, this is this may be a false memory, but uh, oh, okay. All my all my life, my aunties have been and uncles have been telling me that uh, they remember me being two years old, running around with a big pair of headphones in my diaper, singing uh, "Prodigy's Firestarter," that big beat tune from the from the mid nineties, um, and that's become like a a real memory, I suppose. I have a very vivid image of myself. As a baby running around singing, I'm a twisted fire starter. Maybe, uh, maybe the video, huh? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, do you remember that song? Well, yeah, because '90s was kind of trippy. It's where all, a lot of times the image got hooked to a audio. That's right. Yeah, and then that kind of went away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't that weird? Um, Fickle uh, species, this human being thing. Uh, yeah, I think we lost the brother. The, the he was kind of a dancer man in that band. <laughs> yeah, Keith Flint. Yeah, uh, Keith. Yeah. yeah, one of my dad's cousins, I believe, actually went to school with him in London. Damn. Uh, like elementary school, yeah. Small world, everyone connected. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's, wow, okay. But um, this pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Yeah, well, I, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. Um, I, I was actually born in uh, Croydon in South London. Okay. Um, the other there, side there of the river, a, right? Yeah. Um, and there was there was a lot of music there. Uh, my granddad played guitar. Yeah. And my, my dad played guitar, and my uncle was a DJ. Uh, and he would DJ. So he had buttloads of records. He had tons of records that I inherited. Uh, tons of tons of weird uh, twelve inch singles. I'm gonna make a uh, guess, but it's probably the gift that kept giving. Yeah, it, it sure did. And he, he gave me a couple of his turntables too, and ah, oh, bitch, I'd make, make make my way through those uh, those weird, obscure. I think a lot of it was like Chicago house music that he got. Uh, Wax tracks, a giant collection. So, yeah. uh, so, so, can I ask you? You went to school in England? I mean, they're like great no, school. No, I went to school. I'm actually all my family's from Ireland. Uh, so me and my mother moved back to Ireland when I was four years old. Okay. And I'm all, wondering. All the, go ahead. Yeah, I'm wondering if in Ireland they had music in the school. I went to two years. They call it national school over there, like the elementary school. Um, I don't remember any music in the school, but I know. Because um, I was going to ask you, do. were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Nothing like that, no. But uh, all my young cousins over there that still that went through all their school over there, they all play tin whistle and guitar and some kind of instrument. That uh, yeah, it seems like mandatory. It seemed. Uh, I've talked to some cats from over there and a recorder, uh, not like tape recorder, but like kind of a flute. Yeah, tin, yeah, flutes. Tin oh, whistles, is that a tin whistle? Okay. Yeah, tin whistle would be big in Irish music, and they actually. Uh, a lot of them, they send them off to uh, what's called the, the Gale Talked region of Ireland, where they still speak Irish and they play traditional music for a few weeks and yeah. just to kind of uh, immerse them in that musical culture over there. So it's, some pretty, roots. it's pretty cool. Yeah, some roots. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the first record you bought with your own money? Um, 
I want to say the first thing that comes to mind, I think when I was visiting Florida or something when I was a kid, I remember buying a Metallica CD and a Beastie Boys CD in Walmart. Because I asked that question, you know, when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm curious, what would you spend it on? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well... Once I started buying CDs, I didn't stop. I would, I would <laughs> get my hands on as, as many CDs as I could. And what was the first um, gig you saw? Mm, first gig. I don't even know what it was. You know what mine uh, was? What? T-Rex. T-Rex. Where, in Pedro? Next door in Long Beach. Long Beach Auditorium, 1973. I was 14 years old. And I bet it blew your mind, huh? 15 years old, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was tiny. It wasn't a club, you know? So yeah. It was maybe a 16th of an inch tall. <laughs> but, yeah, we dug it a lot. We liked it a lot. We liked it a lot. It was me and D. Boone's side. So, um, yeah. uh, so you can't remember, huh? That's I all right. I think I can re- yeah, I don't think I can really remember. Um, uh, no. Well, uh, let me ask you this. I mean, wait, wait, yeah. Judging from the pictures here, you eventually got on the fucking guitar. How'd that happen? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, it was my granddad. Um, he played guitar. He used to play uh, um, Irish kind of show band music and show tunes and stuff like that. And he used to be in a group called the Silver Sands way back in the day before I was born. And uh, his son, my dad, played guitar. And so when I was a kid, there was whenever I'd visit that side of the family, there was just always guitars around, and I'd always be plucking away at the guitar. And I got my first guitar, I think I was uh, around six or seven. Um, my dad got me a little nylon string guitar, and I picked it up. And ever since then, it's always seemed to be around, you know what I mean? Uh, I'd go through phases of playing really prolifically in phases of, you know, not caring about it for a while, but it always seemed to stick around. And uh, Well, right here, I'm kind of concerned with you starting. So did you get into lessons or, or autodidact? Are you self-taught? I did do lessons, yeah. So after I, um, when I was around six or seven, after living in Ireland for a couple of years, we actually moved to Scotland. And uh, when we were in Scotland, uh, yeah, I did lessons for, for a good few years over there, but I don't. I don't remember what I actually learned in the lessons. Other than <laughs> made made sure that I wasn't straying from the instrument. You know what I mean. My parents. I tried to quit uh, guitar lessons a few times. Is that right? I didn't think, yeah, because I didn't think it was doing any, me any good, and I was learning a lot of stuff on my own at the can, house. Can but, I uh, ask you my, about the teacher? Because it seems that has a lot to do with it. Like some people ain't meant to do. Yeah, I I had a few different teachers. The first guy was a guy called. I haven't thought about this in a long time. It was a guy called Chris from France. Uh, and I remember him, uh, I remember not liking him very much. <laughs> you know, usually it's the hell of the piano lessons, but I bet you it could happen in guitar too. Like you want to yeah. learn the songs off the fucking records you're listening to, and they want to teach Marianne a little lamb or some shit. Exactly, yeah, I mean, God, <laughs> yeah. Um but my parents were very insistent that I kept going to lessons, and I, I'm grateful that they did. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. So am I. Look, I want to play this. Uh, you gave me this project called Glass. You yeah. know, there's a great band in Baltimore called Glass. This cat, uh, yeah, what's his name? He goes by the name Door. 
No, door? I think it's National Glass. Maybe. Yeah, Door. And man, he plays some wild ass music. But anyway, let's listen to Accent.
I have my freeze power and I'm gonna freeze him.
Live from Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Glass doing accent. Then we had Cecil Taylor, Tony Oxley. We just lost brother Tony Oxley. Great drummer, man. Birdland. Uh, credit to Joe Berardi for hitting me to that, who is a huge fan of him, a very big inspiration to him. And a lot of cats, uh, especially from the free music thing. Birdland, Neuberg. 2011 Live Part 1B. Then M. Mountain Office, Brother Philip Mammoth doing For the Love of God. Junizawa out of Tokyo doing, oh, this is a collab with Tammy Keen. <laughs> uh, I think they uh, appropriated our little slang here. Couch potato. <laughs> Doesn't sound too Japanese. Uh, wire lines after that was Swing That Scythe with an iron fist, right? FOD after that with Rosa. And then Glass, again, with Open Concept Continued. Well, I guess if it's open, it's continued. <laughs> end and end, never end. Continues to be open. Right, right. No, I love that. You know, what they call it? Double superlative, right? More better. Right More open, huh? Or perfect, right? More perfect. I think it's in our one of our papers. A more perfect union. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 how much more union can you get? Okay, back to your uh, journey through music. So, uh, you you, you want to quit the lessons, but your folks keep you at it. Uh, you're on the guitar. You're still in man alone mode. You because I'm on. You know, a lot of times over here, especially with junior high comes on high school, not graduating, but in the afternoon when you get out of school, you get into this basement band, garage band, bedroom band thing with your buddies. Did you do that? No, well, we lived in such a small town in Scotland. There's about 9,000 people there. And um, I think there was one band with some older kids. And uh, I could never really find anyone to start a band with. I remember one of my friends played guitar, but we could never really get it together. And um, I'd, I'd always be plucking away at the house and stuff. But then when I uh, got a little bit older, I got a bit more interested in drinking and playing soccer and stuff. Um. So no, over there, yeah, I never really. You know, uh, can I uh, just say, Scotland, a drink called Buckfast. <laughs> Did you get into that? It's, I, uh, let me tell the yeah. listeners, this is like some kind of liquor with coffee. <laughs> it's hyper hyper caffeinated wine, and it's made by monks in Devon. That yeah, and, I actually uh, recorded with Tripper this band in England, where they make it right down the road. And I tried it, and it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's disgusting. I can't even smell it now. It's, it's so <laughs> horrific. Uh, but, yeah, we used to drink the fuck out of it. By the way, today um, is 365 day a what? Not having alcohol. If I make the 500 days, it'll be, yeah, since I was a teenager, like 50-year shift, huh? But that shift's over. So, so okay, so you're starting to drink. You're playing. But you're not really – you tried playing with somebody, but, yeah, no, no, no ensemble. Yeah, no, it was. I moved to America when I was about 16, and it wasn't until I came to South Carolina that I started meeting uh, musicians and started joining bands and stuff like that. Okay, tell me about your first experiences doing that. Yeah, I uh, actually played bass for my friend's band that I met when I came over here. Whoa! Was that and, your first time on bass? Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I was never a bass player. I was always a guitar player playing bass. Well, well, from where we left off, nylon string guitar player. Did you, uh, by this time in Scotland, did you move to electric guitar? 
Yes, so, yeah, that's something I forgot. So I inherited uh, my grandfather's uh, Gibson Les Paul Whoa. when I was about 14, 15. So that was, that's when I started getting really serious about it. And I was like, look, I have this very nice guitar. That's my grandfather's. And, uh, you know, I really need to do something with it. What about amplifier rock? Uh, I had a tiny little box amp that I barely played. I, honestly, I played the guitar not plugged in for wow. years and years and years. Yeah. And, and did you do the thing like me and D. Boone where you like uh, listen to records and try to learn the licks? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep, all the time. Thank you, Mr. Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so you, you got the electric and you bring that to the U.S. when you come over. But then you get a bass because they were in need of it, right? That's how a lot of cats in the old days got on bass. No one wanted to rock it. That's right, yeah. I was just so desperate to be in a band when I came here and... Uh, you know, when I got a uh, when I got the sense that there were some bands, some musicians around, I was just I think I was just asking everyone, can you know, can I be in your band? And uh, a friend of mine said, yeah, I need a bass player in this band, and uh, and I joined. And yeah, we well, where did band. you get the bass? I'm a little biased here. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I bought it at Guitar Center or something, just a little used hundred dollar bass. Was it a Fender? And it was. It, yeah, it was a little Squire, I think. Squire, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, man, I've played some Squires that are just as good as the thing that says Fender. Oh, yeah, you can definitely find some good ones. Yeah. Um, they're hit or miss, though. They're not consistent. I yeah, guess that's yeah, the yeah. risk you take. That's why they're called Squire. But, uh, I think in England, a Squire is like a lower dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He ain't a lord. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it was a little squire thing, and then I and then I. Uh, and what you I use smashed. for an amp? I don't mean to get into it too much, but I'm a little, yeah, you know, biased. It was a little acoustic cheap box amp. Okay. Um. Acoustic box. You mean that company oh, no. acoustic? What? Well, yeah, one of the acoustic. I think it was a B one hundred. Okay. Yeah, because you know in the seventies, acoustic was one of the. Well, of course, Ampeg, but then they, they were one of the first big amps for, like, for uh, Arena Rock and that shit. Yeah, yeah, they were great back in the day, weren't they? Well, uh, they threw far because they're playing, like, arenas and shit, you know. So they had these things called folded horns where they're loaded top or loaded back or loaded front. They didn't really face, the speakers didn't, so you the box would act like an extra octave. But uh, yeah. do you remember, and obviously... You're joining somebody else's band, so you're learning somebody else's songs. Yep. For a first time, huh? Besides records. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I wrote most of the bass lines, um, which you, was exciting. Do you remember the first gig? Yeah, the first gig was in uh, my friend's. He had like a little building in his back at his parents' backyard, and it had a um, it had a, like a skate, like a half pipe in it. Yeah. And, and we we played in the uh, in the half in the half pipe to some some high school kids. Wow! And what was this band called? That band we played two gigs. It was called Dear Sleeper. Okay. <laughs> and then that that band kind of turned into a a math rock band called uh, Art Contest. Okay. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, names. and I played I played bass in Art Contest then too. And then you're composing the bass line. So, did right away you. Pick up on the difference because some people oh bass is four string guitar. Did you pick up yeah. on a, a bigger difference in that? Because as I've gotten less younger, I'm sixty six now. 
four-string drum set, not four-string guitar. Even yeah, though they I look don't... like guitars, they, because of the bigger strings, you got punch. Yeah, I, I would kind of do this thing where I'd kind of occasionally hit the low E string. I think we were tuning it down a step to D back then. Uh-huh. And sometimes I'd play with only three strings, I think, because I'd never play that highest string. G, yeah. And uh, I was kind of doing a thing where I'd let the lowest string ring out and then do some higher, you know, around the 12th fret stuff on that higher D string. You mean like a drone so a little... thing? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was something like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it was just kind of filling in space. I, I don't know how, uh, if I would consider it... Uh, as percussion as maybe you were talking about. Yeah, that sounds more like India. But I'll tell you, I did that for my first opera. I detuned the E to D. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something about that. That's a trippy thing. Yeah, it's not It's not so much, yeah, the percussive rhythmic thing. It's more of like a uh, kind of legato kind of keyboard organ thing almost. Or sitar, sitar. Yeah, and around that time, I, I, a friend gave me a little, it was like a Hofner knockoff type thing. It was a weird looking Beetle thing. bass. Yeah. Was, I got it, one of those. I got a China one, made by Hofner, about 250, but I do all my composing. I love it. It weighs like three pounds. Yeah, maybe it was something like that. Um, it was weird. It wasn't a semi-hollow or whatever those are. This was a solid body. Oh, wow. No, that's that. different. Mine's most hollow. Yeah, it was a it was a weird thing. I, I never seen another one. Okay, and uh, but uh, because of the, you know, whatever the architecture of it, you, you played it different. Yeah, um, I, don't, I really don't know. I was just noodling, to be honest. I was trying to figure out the parts. I was really just writing the parts and then playing what I wrote. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, just, yeah. Just trying to serve, serve the song as as best I could. And, and when you say math rock, you're talking about a lot of notes. A lot of yeah, a lot of noodly kind of notes and uh, different time signatures, and I hate that. I hate that term, math. Well, there's a great bass man from South Carolina that's on a lot of Motown records. His name was James Jamerson. Yes, and he's far from noodly notes. So don't <laughs> yeah. worry, don't worry. It takes a lot of colors to make a rainbow, right? That's they right. said what he did was he would listen to the singers, so he tried to link the drummer up to the singer. Really interesting way of doing it. He came from stand-up bass, because remember, electric bass was new in his day. But you couldn't really yeah. record him that well. So how long do you, you stay in this band? Well, we did it for a few years, and at the same time, I was playing uh, drums in a band called Grey Spy. Wow, uh, where did you learn drums? Uh, I didn't. Uh, it was another case of someone needed a drummer. and uh, No, but I think that's great. I think if you could play drums, you could play anything, man, because it's rhythm, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, wow, what's yeah, what's me, your first gig on drums? Uh, I think it was in some coffee house in a town called Spartanburg near here. Yeah, I know where Spartanburg is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was there, and uh, and then we did a little three day run. In fact, I uh, think there's Char a uh, Michelin Tire factory there, or, something, or BMW factory, or something. I can't remember. There is, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of German people here actually because of the BMW in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Watts yeah. memory totally defeated. So, okay, <laughs> so you look because the closest note to the bass guitar is a kick drum, you know. In fact, this, right. the Dodgers channel had me on there. What are you trying to do with the bass, Watts? So I'm thinking, whoa, don't get too musical. I'm trying to dance with a kick drum. 
<laughs> That's what I told him. He said, "Oh, okay." So, uh, so you, you, you now who's drunk? Did you buy a drum set? Me and my friends, uh, we bought one together. We bought a little uh, Tama drum kit because we were trying to get our own thing. Tama's good. Wow, and what a good yeah. buddy to do that with you. Yeah, we well, we were trying to start our own thing, which ended up being a project called Ice Cream Social. Um, and we played one gig together as a two-piece. Okay. And I played drums in that also, that that one gig. Um, but we we'd actually we actually split all the gear we had. We split. We 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 paid for it together. Wow. And it made it a bit com- it made it a bit complicated at the break, but um, messy divorce. You know. Um, uh, <laughs> Do you work your way back to the acoustic guitar or the Les Paul? Yeah, so I'm always playing guitar and I'm just okay. uh, tr- starting to write songs at this time. Ah, I should have asked you. What about recording? Like a little four track or some shit? No, uh, I didn't do any recording at that time. Okay. Uh, other than, you know, nowadays you got the smartphones, you can just record. Oh, that's right. Yeah, around the leash. To, to, just to remember riffs and stuff that you might come up with. Sure, sure. Voice memo. Um. But yeah, I was really, I was, I was desperate to do my own thing. You know, I knew that I wanted to be someone who played guitar and wrote the songs for a band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, but you I know quit, what? But, I think learning those other instruments and playing in other cats as projects, that's service. And that's going to come back to you as a good karma and, you know, and good fertilizer to grow your own crop. I think it really did. Yeah. And it helped me realize, uh, um, where exactly each, instrument should go as far as the arrangement of songs when i was playing guitar right and some empathy maybe for the other work people have to do to make an ensemble uh so uh after this divorce thing is that when you start the aaron j burke man alone project well yeah i quit the band i was playing bass in and the band i was playing drums in i I quit them both i think on the same day whoa and uh, yeah letter day red letter day yeah, and then the first stuff I started doing on my own was uh, kind of experimental noise stuff with keyboards and uh, synthesizers. Whoa, so you taught yourself keyboards? <laughs> wow, you, everything. Well, <laughs> I love it. I, I never learned to play a chord on the piano. I was just kind of twisting knobs and yeah. making noise. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You know, uh, they're all tools to help build your house, <laughs> your dream house. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. so your first stuff alone is working keyboard with experimental music. So do you remember yeah. that first gig? And what did you call it? Just Aaron J. Burt? That was called Ice Cream Social. Oh, uh, that was so Ice Cream Social. Okay. So so it was a two-piece for one gig. And then after we stopped playing together, I just kind of took that name and uh, went on my own with it and changed the sound a little bit in the direction. And so I would play keyboards, and but I, I also started playing the guitar along with it and making loops with the guitar while I was playing the uh, the keyboards and everything. Wow, almost like the one-man band, like Busker. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, Yeah, little bit. The experimental Busker. Uh, experimental Busker, why not? Hey, Aaron, we're at yeah. the end of the first hour, uh, December 30, 2023 edition of Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, Aaron J. Burke. People, hold tight for hour two. December 30, 2023, it's the second hour of the Waffle from Pedro Show.
seldom sense or thought of you Live from Pedro Show, start off the second hour, Aaron J. Burke with Beside Myself, (laughs) Apropos, Aaron J. Burke, Uh, no, we got some songs in between that area, we got Red Sprite Lightning, which is live at the Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble New Music Fest 2023, Day 2, composed, performed by Caroline Louise Miller, 
and George Colligan. Then to extract out of Montreal, Canada with Wingnut. Then Aaron J. Burke again with Tender Boats. That is a title, brother. I would give my left with a bad knee if <laughs> we could cut that <laughs> off. <laughs> but that is a great, I mean, because the image, you know. My papa's a sailor, so. I did kayak for many years, so, yeah, tender boat. Uh, okay, let's pick up where you left off. The, the ice cream sauce. I, I don't know where Glass is in the timeline. Is that down the road? Yeah, um, so I did a few gigs on my own as Ice Cream Social, and um, I don't know, I, I guess I, I knew um, I wanted to play rock and roll or some kind of noisy electric guitar music. Um and there was a band from Colombia around that time called Ningas Tongas. That's a And, uh, yeah, they were a fucked up, wild, crazy, Jesus Lizard type band. Ah, okay, which is kind of a little birthday party a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, they definitely had some uh, some birthday party elements, too. Um, yeah, Mr. Sims on the bass, great guitar man, Dwayne Dennison, and Mac. Well, you know, they started with the drum machine, and then they get Mac. And, of course, Mr. The Yao. The birthday party? No. Jesus, listen. <laughs> oh, right, right. Definitely yeah, they were fans of... Uh, I got to see birthday party once, and um, Tracy Pugh, what a bass man. So I always Tracy think of him Pugh. with uh, Mr. David Sims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, I got that, to that serve band. with uh, David Yao and Flipper for one tour. So interesting guys. That, great. Okay, so this band is kind of like inspired by those cats. Yeah, and they, they completely blew my mind. And uh, I think after listening to their records, one time I uh, went and bought a distortion pedal and wrote like five or six songs in a day, or five or six riffs or parts of songs. Or you whatever mean before that time you never played a box? That's great. Yeah, no. Um, you see kids now, they'll have like 20, 30 things in their little board and shit. Even bass know, dudes, because yeah. they, their buddies have got them. So they yeah, got well, no I, I really just like... I really just liked clean reverb, pretty guitar before I heard that band, and then uh -huh. I heard that band, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, Dwayne was in a band before that called uh, Cargo Cult, and now he's been in the, uh, the legendary Shake Shack, Shake Shack, Shack Shakers. Yeah, I think that's it. So if you want to check out what he's doing, but he's yeah, really interesting uh, guitarist. Yeah, and uh, so you get this stuff. Do you try to join them? No, I never okay. tried to join them. I, I just knew um, there were a few other bands in town, and uh, me and a drummer in town called Sam, we started talking, and I knew we uh, wanted to do a project together, but we didn't really know exactly what. But after I heard this group, I, I knew I did know exactly what I wanted to do um, and came up with those parts, and we got together and, and started playing from there, and then that would that, that would from be that blessed. batch of five songs. Okay. Yep. Yep, correct. Sometimes that's the way it happens. Like there's a watershed moment, right? Yeah. That that's exactly what it was—a watershed moment. And I knew I wanted it to be some kind of combination between Sabbath and uh, uh, post-punk stuff from the seventies. Um, so that's what we tried to do. Interesting. Like the first four Sabbath albums. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff, man. Oh my God, Geezer Butler, Bill Ward. Uh, yeah, the best. Incredible. All of them, all four of them. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, I, I, I was reading up on them, and I couldn't believe how influenced they were by Cream. Yeah. Yeah, because 
you wouldn't think so, but that's music. You know, music is music. So what do you call this project with your buddy, Sam? So this was Glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was the beginnings of Glass then. Okay. That makes good sense. Let's play some more Glass. This is called Triage, Etude, and Mauve. <laughs> My favorite color, Mauve, right? The rash of these things running families, these things. <laughs> Thank you. 
Watford Pedro show that chunk of music star off of glass doing triage tude mauve reference to the title of the record. Uh, Cirque, after that, out of Rotterdam with Pom Pom Pom. Sedkime and Sound of Ceres with Ransom. Parentheses, All Innocence. Primary Mystical Experience with Oceanside. It's funny because she hurts out in the desert there, but you know. John Fogarty, very northwest bayou, right? Uh, that's what music's for, people. Arts, artists to transcend shortcomings of reality sometimes. 100 Flowers after that with Mop Dub. P.O.M., Presence of Mind. Get it backwards. The whole fucking thing is. Finally, Glass with Outhauser. I love that. You take a noun, make it a, ver- a little German thing, right? Make a verb out of a noun. Guy who outhouses. <laughs> that's great. Okay, tell me about the first Glass gig. Uh, the first glass gig was at a, a record store around here called Cabin Floor Records, um, which is a great bastion for local and uh, regionally touring uh, experimental weirdo music. My kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, now, is it a two-piece? Three-piece. Okay, so who's the third guy? Or cat, might be a woman. Uh, the third guy is our friend uh, Ruben, who played one gig with us. Because he, he had his own band with the same drummer that from Glass, before Glass started. Whoa. Yeah, it, it was all a bit... Uh, overlap. Yes, a lot of overlap. <laughs> That's all right. That's the way it goes with humans. And so, yeah. uh, uh, what, he's on bass? He's on bass, yeah, for one gig, for that first gig, and then uh, he quit just because... No, know, tell me about that. that gig first. Uh... It was good. I don't think there was that many people in there. We played with a... Ah, we call those character builders. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. (laughs) Yeah. I think we were all a bit awkward and nervous and didn't really know where to look and all that kind of stuff. At least I was. Did the set have them five songs from the first batch? No. (laughs) No. They they helped start the band, but they didn't make it to the set. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the first five, the first batch that I wrote. Yeah. No, everything was in that. So oh. Okay. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Everything was in that. Every idea that I had written up to that point was in that show. Okay. And I think we booked we booked the show before we had even practiced together. I think just because I, I knew exact I knew exactly what we were going to do, and uh, we managed managed to pull it off. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the dicks. Gary Floyd told me about fake bands. They didn't even have the band, but they would make flyers, so it would like. Try to like you know embarrass them into like getting the band together. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like, there's a dick song called Fake Bands. Yeah, because of that. Okay, so why is Ruben quits because he's already got another band going? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and so what do you do after that? So then we have a few months off and write some more material and write that 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 first batch of songs we did were really slow and heavy and kind of doomy, and uh, I knew I wanted to bring in a kind of faster. Uh, I guess post-punk punk element into it and uh, so we wrote five or six more songs and found another bass player a guy called Ari and um, yeah booked another gig at a, at a place that is no longer around called The Dark Room and these recordings that we hear, heard of Glass that's got Ari and not Ruben yes yeah okay uh, well, some we 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 have another bass. We had another bass player a few years after that, and 
Oh, some of the right? stuff you're playing is some of the stuff you're playing is older, yeah. featuring Ari, and some of it's newer, featuring uh, Alex, who uh, Alex. joined us later. So, so yep. Glass has had three bass players. Correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's a. But Sam's still on the drums. Yep. Yeah. And the process for rec uh, recording, do you make these guys demos, or do you show them licks and they come up their own parts, or? Yeah, it was kind of a process of I, I'd record little little snippets or little riffs on my phone and send them to them, and then uh, when we get together at practice, we'd uh, yeah learn sections and then try and string other sections together. And sometimes organic things would happen in practice, and we'd write the the tunes there. And sometimes it would uh, you know we'd have one part that we wouldn't know what to do with for a while, and eventually it would uh, come together. Okay, develop. Well, at the end of the second hour, December 30, 2023 edition, Wap Peter, so special guest Aaron J. Burke, Hotel Vara 3. December 30, 
lot for Pedro show. Third hour started off with flutes of engagement, which I've been enlightened to the fact it ain't the instrument, people. It's the things that hold champagne to get into your mouth. Uh, money, the Derek Money Penny after that with the uh, CISR. Bronson Case, Punish or Be Damned. It's a new project. Uh, the Backbiter people, including Bob Lee, have with Dezel and Paul Rossler. Paul Rossler recorded it, Case brother. Punish or Be Damned. And finally, Glass with White Sun Recede. No, Wit Sun Recede. Sorry about that. It's a tricky. I don't know Wit Sun. W H I T S U N. Uh. So you, you said you got something coming out right now? Yeah, I just put put out an album a month ago called Young Pure Jumpers, and that uh, Flutes of Engagement tune is on that album. Yeah. Now, this ain't a Glass record. This is an Aaron J. Burke record. Correct. Glass is kind of on a hiatus at the moment. We have been for about a year or so. So I've been doing some solo stuff. Okay. When it comes to making the uh, Aaron J. Burke record, is it pretty much Man Alone? Yep, yep. I played pretty much everything on it, uh, other than uh, one little section at the end of Flutes of Engagement. And uh, what's the process of that? Like, what, what do uh, you well, record for, you know, like uh, Stevie Wonder, Dave Grohl, uh, Prince, when they did solo records where they played everything, they started with the drums. Mm, I always start with acoustic guitar and vocals. Okay. I usually start with kind of a rough take, you know, to a click. I have a little studio in my house now. It's Ah, oh, that's point. great. I love hearing that. Yeah, Musicians record themselves. Yeah, there used to be a mild gulf in between, but now all kinds of cats are doing their own stuff. Yeah, it was hard to imagine it was possible when I was younger, but now, you know, just after yeah, all great. these times, like, finally being able to record myself is like a dream. And so you so, did it uh, tune at a time? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was kind of different periods of writing, I suppose, and I was kind of working on two separate albums at the same time in different styles. Um, the other one isn't out yet. I'm still kind of working on it. But, um, yeah, some of them were wrote in kind of... Uh, over, it was all written over the past three years, um, kind of at different periods, and they ended up kind of aligning with each other, those 13 songs or however many it is, to kind of make a complete and pretty cohesive album, I think. But they were written over a period of time. It's not like you came to your pad with the big batch of tunes. No, well, I guess that's the the uh, advantage and disadvantage maybe of having a home studio is that you can kind of record things at different times. So I think it's okay. Um, but I've, I have read about that. Like, it, it hurts Steve Marriott. He got the studio and he spent it all this time just like when you only got so much time, right? You have to like maximize all your effort. And then when it's like that, it gets kind of free. I heard the same thing uh, Chas Chandler said about Jimmy. When he got his own studio, he, it started getting kind of diluted. Yeah, exactly. And you can get carried away with yourself and get a bit too dense with things and overthink things. But when, you know, when you got to pay for a studio, uh, yeah. it's like four, 400 bucks a day or whatever. It's like four. I got so. I got news for you, Aaron. When I was make, doing that shit in the 90s. It was yeah. $1,500 day, uh, a day up in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Can you believe that shit and then have to drive a couple hours each way? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So I wouldn't go back to that shit. But you're right about it kind of making... It's almost like a gig in front of the microphones. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the pressure's on and it can it can go well and it can go poorly. Usually when I've gone into the studio, it's usually 
I feel like we've gotten very lucky every time and things have worked out. But, uh, yeah, like you said, having the home studio, it's great because I can do whatever I want, but then you could also just spend too much time on something. What do they call it? Nasal gazing? <laughs> navel gazing. <laughs> yeah, navel gazing, yeah. Navel gazing. Belly button thing. Uh, so you said it's two different records because the songs were coming out in two different worlds, even though it was coming from the mind of the same man. Well, there's this record, Young Peer Jumpers, which I wanted to be an album of kind of power pop, rock and roll songs, simple chords. Um, but uh, over the past few years, I've gotten really heavy into Irish folk music, and I want, wanted to do something like that. So um, I was writing Irish folk tunes and then these power pop tunes at the same time, and I originally thought they were going to go on the same record, but then I decided to separate them. So this this album of Irish folk music and kind of country sound and stuff is not yet released and that's on a that'll be a separate later release but they were written uh congruent to the album young young peer jumpers that came out last month and as far as recording they were kind of recorded the same they were just yeah they were recorded by the same means yep. yeah okay uh, where you started with acoustic guitar and singing yeah okay and then you bring in right. everything else to aid the bed okay let's listen to uh in the parking lot Detain you 
Well, for Pedro okay. Show. Last chunk of music for this edition. Aaron J. Burke within the parking lot. And then Carl M. V. Wah out of Brighton, England with Place Yet Not Be Yet Not To Be Named. Get together, what? Aaron J. Burke finally with From Troon to Larn. And speaking of trippy names, he's going to enlighten me to the fact Whitson is all about. Well, you you're, you like James Joyce, right? Big time. Yeah, J- James Joyce is one of my heroes. If you remember in, Ul- in Ulysses. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Bloom got bit, Bloom got bitten by the bee on Whitson. That's Sunday. right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Bloom is a kind. It's, Bloom it's is another, a kind. <laughs> it's another word. It's another word for Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Everything's. You know, it's one day in the life of these two married people, but he's trying to talk about everything in the fucking universe, and it's great. Exactly. He does a pretty good job of doing it. I was 25 right. when I first read it, and most of my songs on Double Nickels on the Dime are written because of that book. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The best yeah, record I, I ever right. played on. So thank you, Mr. Joyce. Now, how long you been in the U.S.? Uh, 11 years now. Yeah, so because, I've been here longer longer than I've been anywhere else now. Yeah, because you say parking lot and you didn't say car park. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. That was my the little lepmus test there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and, and what about now, now, True Delarn? Okay, that's a little new for me. Maybe some Gaelic. So, yeah. Well, so that was um, when we would visit home and we'd go back to Ireland from Scotland. That would that was the ferry boat we'd take. From, oh, okay. The, 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 the ports, Troon. right? The harbors. Okay. That's right. Yeah, Troon and Larne is then in Northern Ireland. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a slow learner, but yeah, happening. It must happen. So, uh, kind of, would you say, like, okay, in a parking lot, you know, on this ferry. You know, so this recede, like, is kind of a embankment or something. So uh, these are kind of like diary entries? Is this kind of your... So- when it comes to writing lyrics, do you write on demand, or do you got, like, a trove, like a little notebook full of words? What's up? I would say for the glass stuff, it's usually... Uh, I've got a notebook full of phrases and words and stuff, and I tie a bunch of stuff together. But I don't know. Somet- sometimes it would kind of... I try and achieve like a state of kind of ecstasy where I could just kind of write free flowing things. And uh, I'd say with my solo stuff, it's more like that. A lot of writing on demand and trying to <clears throat> write things in one go, I suppose. To the music uh, when, inspired by the, the guitar playing you're doing? Not always. No, not always. Sometimes a phrase or something would, would just kind of set off an explosion in my head and I could just uh, run with it. Like a fin- uh, uh, Finnegan Wakeian kind of trip, like uh, was Shim was Sham was Shim. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? When you read that shit out loud, it's very musical. And then he sang yeah. and played guitar, right? I've heard a recording. Uh, he sang. He was a great tenor. Yeah. Apparently, he, he, he almost won a singing competition, but he lost to John McCormick, if you know him. He was a great Irish tenor. Uh, yeah, I've, I've the, read the, him. The, the, the only reason he lost the singing competition was because his sight reading was so bad because he was near blind. His eyes, yeah, they always gave him trouble. Yeah. Which is, God, for a writer, man, oh, my God. Um, well, he would say, I heard, I heard a, a story about that he would wear, like, a white doctor's jacket so that and, and then write in these, like, big, cra- I don't know if they were crayons, but, like, big crayon-type things. And I know he used different colors because I saw his notebooks for Ulysses at the uh, National Library there in Dublin. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was there on Bloom's the 100th anniversary. Three days without a gig, right? I went to another town without I'm being on tour, which was weird for what? Just to be on Bloom's Day, June 16, uh, 2004. Wow. I even got yeah, the ticket image- stub from uh, the Martell Tower where it starts. Oh, did you? I wouldn't bullshit you. Are you going <laughs> to tour this record? 
Uh, we're doing a few gigs. We're doing what's called, I guess some people call it the South Carolina circuit, which is uh, Charleston, Columbia, and then Greenville. Sure. Um, with Dylan. Dylan will actually be playing with me on that. Oh, on bitch. Gigs. And where can people find you on the internet? The music's on all the streaming channels. Uh, but is there an Aaron Spotify. J. Burke website? No, no website. Instagram really is the only way. Okay, I corporate. Yeah. But one day you get your own. It's like having your own fancy. And I'm going to put the invite out right now, Aaron. When you get this other record, the more Gaelic, folky kind of thing, can you come back on the show and we play it and talk about it? I'd love to, Mike. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Okay. Big honor to have you aboard. You make me inspired to want to record right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great gift. Do it. A music Thanks, cat Mike. can give to another one. Thank you. People, December 30, 2023, Dishawap Pedo Show. We're done with another one. But get ready for 2024. Keep your powder dry.